That's what these are. These are all VCR things that we still have, video cassettes. There's about 150 in these bags. And what we said was the VCR is going to remind us that when doubts come, when we have doubts about something, when Satan comes up and starts messing with us, causing us to doubt, then we need to have a VCR-type faith. And that stands for Very Critical Response. Very critical response. And we're going to talk about that today. It's really important that when you see world religions, doubt in the world. Because if you turn your back on Christianity, you are going to move towards something. That's just the way it's going to be. You are going to move towards something. And so what we want to talk about today and next week, and then we'll finish up the series in two weeks, we're going to talk about this VCR, how you have this very critical response. We're going to look at the founders of these religions. We're going to look at what they believe about how you get to heaven. And we're going to look at major differences differences between them and Christianity. And so what we hope that you'll see is that Christians don't check your brain at the door. We said based on our VCR, there's some buttons on your remote that you should push. There's some buttons on your remote you should not push. Do not push the pause button, because if you push the pause button and get stuck, that means you're you're just going to say, this one question is so big, it's going to keep me from coming to Christ. It's going to keep me from growing in Christ. It's going to keep me from going to church. So don't push the pause button. Don't become the dot at the bottom of a question mark and just say this question is it. Um, And I'll tell you about that in just a second, what you need to do. The second button you don't push is the eject button. You don't bail out on Christianity before a breakthrough. Uh, What happens in, in Christianity is you always have a breakthrough on the other side of doubts. And God knows this and God designed it so that when you go through your doubts, when you do some active things and go through your doubts, then you grow in your faith. Now, the things you need to do, you need to push play, you need to push fast forward, and you need to push rewind. The rewind, you remember all of the things that God's done in history. You remember all of the things that God has done for you. We said last week that folks were not here by an accident. I don't believe you're here by accident today. If you came today in the midst of the monsoon, there's a reason that you're here today. And so you, you, you go rewind and you start thinking about all the things God has done in my life that, that some people may say are coincidence, but they're really not coincidence. God designed them that way. So you remember what God did on the cross. You remember what God did in the Bible. You remember what God's done in your life. Remember. When in doubt, remember God. We talked about play, and that's becoming active in your faith. That means uh, getting around people who are um, you doubt in community. And we talked about Thomas, the most famous doubter of all the Bible. He was doubting, but he was doubting with other people who believed. He was in the right place at the right time, and God showed himself to him. So when you have doubts, we encourage you to come to church. We encourage you to get in a small group. Doubt with other people who know Christ, and and doubt out loud. We are not afraid of questions around here. In fact, you'll see in a minute that that the, the definition of a cult is they usually have one leader. His... His... um. His doctrine is to be unquestioned. Both of these religions we're going to look at today, you are not allowed to have questions. And I'll I'll read to you from the founders some of the things that they say. You can't have questions. We say bring your questions because Jesus um, uh, welcomed questions. And then we said fast forward. Fast forward is you consider the alternatives. If I don't follow Christ, I'm going to follow something. And so I've, I've kind of projected my life out. What happens if I am not a Christ follower? I don't want to go that road because I've seen where it ends up. I've been to jails a lot, talked to people in jail. They've turned their back on God, walked away, and it's cost them. I don't want to be that. So we're going to do VCR every week. We're going to do very critical response when we're talking about um, world doubt. And, and we're just kind of hoping that you'll remember that you're going to face, you know, Satan, Satan is an adversary, the Bible says. He's smart. 
He's smarter than we are. And he's going to come and, and he's going to try to take you, um, you know, just a blow to the gut about your belief system. It's okay. Breakthroughs come after doubt. Just remember all that. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll sing another song we'll get into about with doubt. Spike clapping and being over there with Caleb. And uh, I might even do the sprinkler if we get the band back. Let's play a little multiple choice game called What Would You Do? Y'all are laughing. Y'all don't think I could do it. I could do it once, and then um, I'd have to have an ace bandage. Uh, I'll give you a scenario, and then you, uh, I'll give you some, some um, possible responses, and you tell me what you would do. You're in the foyer of a large church. Yesterday I was at a wedding for my niece. You're in the foyer of a large church. And you look across the foyer, and you see this woman come out of the ladies' restroom. And she's immaculate. You're like going, wow, there's a Cosmo girl. And as she's coming towards you, you see that everything is nice and, and pressed. You know, everything's been ironed. Her hair, not a hair out of place. Makeup is great. And as she passes you, she's in a hurry to get into the worship center before the bride comes down. You see her only flaw. In her haste to get into the worship center, she has inadvertently tucked her dress into her pantyhose. <laughs> By the way, this is, this is a true scenario. Um, now, when I say tucked, I don't mean one of those long dresses and there's one little strand. No. I mean tucked in there. So, you now have some choices. A, you do nothing because not your problem. Yeah, y'all going, oh. B, you point out the flaw to others and you go, look at that dork. And you have a good laugh at her expense. Or C, you gently tell her the truth. As the Bible says, it, you speak the truth in love. And, and by that, let me just say this. If you love me, you don't have to come up and say, I'm telling you this in love. And then waste me, because I can tell by the way you tell me. If you, if you tap me on the shoulder, of course, if I've got my dress in my hose, I've got many more problems than just that. But I just, I, I want you to walk up and just tap somebody on the shoulder and say, um, I know this is really embarrassing, but you might want to fix your dress before you go in there. Because right now it's just me and it's going to be everybody. Okay, so you speak the truth in love. Which one would you do? A. How many of you are A, you'd do nothing because it ain't my problem? Yeah, Steve's like, no. How many of you are going to point and laugh? Liars! Okay, I've got one guy that's, that's being honest. That's probably what most of you do. How many of you are going to speak the truth in love? All right. When it comes to our subject matter today, you have the same three options. We're going to talk about some false belief systems today. You've got the same three options. You can say, it's not my problem. I'm not going to do anything about it. You can laugh because there's some stuff in, this, in these belief systems that is bizarre. And I have to be honest with you, there was one I read on the Internet the other day, and I've researched these suckers for years. I laughed out loud. I'm going to read it to you in just a minute. But that's not the proper response. If we, if we want to be Christians, we've got to realize that there are people caught up in deceit, webs of deceit, that face a Christless eternity if we don't speak the truth in love. So, let's jump into it. First group we're going to look at is the Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, what I'm going to do is we're going to build a case over this, these next couple of weeks 
for um, the, the belief systems that we are going to look at, and we're going to compare those to Christianity. Specifically, we're going to compare how you get to heaven in these belief systems to Christianity. But first, we've got to look at the founder of these religions. All right. Founder was Charles Taze Russell. Let me give you just a little bit of background about him. He was raised in a Protestant, Protestant church in Pennsylvania. Protestant means they protested against the Catholic church, and we'll talk a little bit about that next week because we're going to get into some Catholicism. Um, as he grew up, he said there were certain things he did not like in the Bible. Okay, He's going to Bible studies, going to Protestant church, things he didn't like. Didn't like hell. I don't either, but he said, I, didn't like, I don't like hell, I don't like eternal judgment, and I don't like the teaching about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So, he said the Trinity wasn't rational, he couldn't understand it, so he rejected it. So at the ripe old age of 18, with no schooling, no theological training whatsoever, no training even in the church, he starts his own Bible study. And um, about the same time, he started studying the angles of the corridors of the great pyramids in Egypt. And through his fascination of the Bible and the study of these angles, he began to calculate the end of the world, where, he, where Jesus was going to return again visibly. And Armageddon, you've heard of Armageddon, that's a big deal in the Jehovah's Witness belief system. Armageddon was going to happen, the end of the world was going to happen. So with all of his calculations, he comes up with the first date was 1874. Have you all read about that? The end of the world happening in 1874 didn't happen. So what he did was he goes back and he refigures. Oh, I must have calculated wrong. Y'all have done that in math. I've calculated wrong. I have to go back and get the right answer. So he recalculates the answer. He comes up with 1914. 1914 happens. And by the way, the teaching in, in the Jehovah's Witnesses is if you are not a member of a Jehovah's Witness church, you cannot survive Armageddon. Now, if, if this is the first time you've heard this teaching and you're thinking, oh, wow, if I've got to survive, I've got to be a member of this church, that's a pretty effective recruitment tactic. Because the end of the world is happening in 1914. If it's 1913, you're going, oh, I've got to do something. So you get, in, you get involved. Problem is when 1914 comes and the end of the world doesn't happen. If you're one of those people that joined because you thought the end of the world was going to happen, the end of the world doesn't happen, what do you do? Leave. So, shortly before his death in 1916, Charles Taze Russell redefined the second coming of Christ. And he said, Christ is not going to come visibly. He already came invisibly as a, as a spirit, as a ghost, to help set up the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which is the official organization of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, so he says he came, and that's his voice, the voice of God on earth. Okay, now, um, there we go. Okay. Uh, so he came secretly. Now, if you're going to look at a founder, you've got to think about some of the things that are going on in his life. First of all, he was, he, his wife divorces him. Um, along about the middle of all of this stuff going on, his wife divorces him, takes him to court, sues him for alimony. She wins. In a later court case, because he was involved in a lot of court cases, he, uh, he said that his wife didn't divorce him and his wife didn't have, uh, uh, force him to pay alimony. Then later in the testimony, he's proved uh, the, the counselor, the attorney, makes him under oath state that, well, in fact, that is true, because he had proof. So, Charles Taze Russell perjured himself on the stand. All right? Now, here's one of my favorite uh, little tidbits. There's a Baptist pastor from Ontario called, uh, his name was J.J. Ross. He published two pamphlets about Charles Taze Russell and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Here's the title of the two pamphlets. The first one was some facts about the self-styled pastor, Charles T. Russell, and pastors in quotation marks. His second one was some facts and more facts about the self-styled pastor, Charles T. Russell. 
Now, in this, here's what he says about the Baptist, Baptist pastor says about Russell's belief system. This is a quote. Anti-rational, anti-scientific, anti-Christian, and a deplorable perversion of the gospel of God's dear son. Now, if you were somebody who's starting a new religion and somebody says this about you, what would you probably do? Sue them. So he sues the pastor for defamatory libel. The problem is, if you're going to sue somebody for libel, you have to go into a court of law and you have to prove what they said about you was not true. So uh, Ross says he's never had any theological training. He, um, he, he was elected pastor. No, no organized church declared him pastor. Nobody ordained him or anything like that. Um, he said all of these things about him, so he was going to try to prove those wrong. Well, Russell was caught in several lies on the stand again. And the case was thrown out, which means he didn't prove it, uh, and he perjured himself again. Now, he was forced to admit that he had only seven years of school, and he quit school completely at the age of 14. Right? No theological training. Didn't even finish through high school. Now, let me give you one example of where Russell perjured himself on the stand. The interesting thing about this is, is what I'm going to show you is um, this comes from the records of the Jehovah's Witnesses Church in Brooklyn, New York. They have this record there, and that's where this is taken from. Okay, J.J. Ross was the pastor. Here is his attorney. His attorney is uh, Attorney Staunton. He says this, Do you know the Greek alphabet? Because one of the things that Russell claimed was to be a Greek scholar. Russell answers, Oh, yes, under oath. So Stanton says, or Staunton says, Can you tell me the correct letters if you see them? Stanton's pretty smart. You know the alphabet. You should be able to read them. So Russell answers, well, some of them, I might make a mistake on some of them. If you're a scholar, you should know the alphabet. So what does Stanton do? He holds up the letters and he says, would you tell me the names of those on the top of page 447 I've got right here? And Russell answers, well, I don't know that I would be able to. Stanton says, you can't tell what those letters are. Look at them and see if you know. So Stanton's pushing the, the questioning here. Look at them. Right here. Tell me if you know. And Russell says, well, my way, and of course the, the uh, attorney cuts him off at that point, doesn't allow him to finish. Then he says, are you familiar with the Greek language? And Russell says, no. Now, just ten sentences earlier, yes. So he perjures himself. Well, his own testimony uh, is what, he's con he, what causes the, the trial to come to a close, and they throw it out. Russell dies in 1916, proven to be a false prophet. The next guy who followed after him was Rutherford. Rutherford sets the end of the world at 1925. It didn't happen. The president after him sets the end of the world at 1975. It didn't happen. One of their publications says, we soon learned to quit fixing dates. That came from the Watchtower organization because it, they kept saying that it was going to happen. And thousands of people, actually in 1976, when that didn't happen, um, a million people left the Jehovah's Witness organization. So um, all of their leaders up to this point have been proven false prophets. All right. Now, let's look at how you get to heaven. Uh, this is pretty interesting. The first thing you have to do, this on your listening guide, is you have to have faith in Jehovah. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start building the case here for how you get to heaven in these other belief systems. First, first is faith in Jehovah. You've got to use this term to vindicate the true God, because in the Jehovah's Witnesses belief system, God, Jehovah is God alone. Jesus is not God. The Holy Spirit is not God. So it's a different God than, than, than what Christians believe. Second thing is you have to believe in Jesus ransom sacrifice. Now, the problem with this is it sounds good. But they have redefined the, uh, redefined the term ransom sacrifice, so it's not what Christianity teaches. Then you have to do good works. That's the, the third thing there on your, uh, on your listening guide. By good works, what we mean is um, that you have to be baptized by a Jehovah's Witness male. You uh, have to do door-to-door preaching. And by the way, um, Jehovah's Witnesses have mapped out, and Mormons have mapped out the, the United States and all of the addresses with the help of the Internet. I'm sure that's much easier. So that they make sure that every door is knocked on two or three times uh, in the span of so many years. So door-to-door preaching, literature distribution, which is all of the things published by the Watchtower organization. Uh, there are about, um, I believe it's 80,000 uh, magazines published monthly. From, from Brooklyn, New York. You have to distribute that literature, and then you have to attend Kingdom Hall meetings. And if you do all of these things, maybe you'll survive Armageddon. And then there's actually um, one other thing. You can't even understand salvation without the Watchtower organization. So there's, there's part of the case for how you get to heaven. Now, the major difference, and there's several, but please understand, we just have time to scratch the surface today. The major difference is the belief in the Trinity. And let me kind of explain this to you. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jehovah's the only God. They believe that if you believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you are of Satan. They said it's an unbiblical doctrine and it comes from Satan. Now, here's the deal about their Jesus. Jesus is actually in the Jehovah's Witness system. Please understand, that's where this is coming from. He is actually the archangel Michael that was described in the Old Testament. Um, And when Jesus was born, um, uh, all of the attributes of, of the angel Michael were transferred to Jesus. So that Jesus then... He, he was ransomed on a stake, not on a cross. This is a big difference. He was killed on a stake for Adam's sin. Adam's sin, so, um, so Jesus, this, Jesus Michael has to die for him. And then when he was resurrected, here's, here's where uh, they kind of got in trouble with this theory. Because when, when you die as a Jehovah's Witness, you cease to exist. There is no spirit body. There's no resurrection of the body. So when he died, Jesus ceased to exist. He was transformed or morphed back into Michael when he went back to heaven as, a, as the angel Michael Jesus. It gets really, really confusing. So when a Jehovah's Witness says to you, we believe in Christ's ransom, it's not the same thing that Christians believe. All right. Um, Jesus will not return visibly because he already did that invisibly in 1914 to set his stamp upon God's only organization which you can follow, that is the, uh, the Watchtower organization. They don't do blood transfusions. Um, they don't believe in going to college. Uh, you cannot know anything without the Watchtower organization. Um, the Holy Spirit is not God, but rather an impersonal force who carries out God's business on earth through the Watchtower. And if you disagree with the Watchtower, you disagree with God. They are told that Protestants, which we are a Protestant religion, and Catholic Christianity are false belief systems controlled by Satan. 
The basic beliefs can be summed up like this. Do more, serve more, and give more, and maybe you'll survive Armageddon. So the formula, how it differs from Christianity, their formula is faith plus all of these things, and you might make it to heaven. And heaven's only 144,000 people, so actually they've had to redefine that because there's more than that. They said at one point that if you were born before 1935, then you get to go to heaven. And after 1935, you get to hang out on a paradise earth. You can't go to heaven. You, got, you can come to earth. So that's how they dealt with that. So you might survive Armageddon and get to stay on earth if you do all of this stuff. Christianity is faith plus jack. Plus nothing. So don't ever believe that these two roads lead to the same place. It's impossible. What does the Bible say? Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Most major world religions, you don't get rest. You have to work. And you actually have to work more than your neighbor because you've got to be, if God grades on a curve, then you've got to beat them. So you've got to do more work than your neighbor. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, God saved you by a special favor when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Did I put that on your listening guide, those words? Would you circle that, that sentence? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. That's an answer to Jehovah's Witnesses. None of us can boast about it. God's formula is faith plus nothing. Jehovah's Witnesses are sincere in their beliefs. They're just sincerely wrong. Now, if you want some more information, there's a couple of books that this book gives you more information than you could ever want. Kingdom of the Cults. Um, it was it was revised. It's written originally by Walter Martin. Hank Hinegraaff did the general revision. And, and there's a lot of technical stuff. Um, there's another one called Fast Facts on False Teachings. And, and I'll put this on your listening guide for next week. This one is, is how to witness to people who are caught up in these things. Um, I have all kinds of things in my library. There's one called Index of Watchtower Errors. It, it indexes all of the things that, that the Watchtower, not using anything else, the Watchtower have contradicted themselves through the years. And so if, if you are God's organization and you have truth from God, how then can you have all of these changes in what's going on in your, your belief system? Uh, over 1,500 changes since, since uh, 19... 14, when God supposedly established the Watchtower organization. Okay, now we've got to move on. And I want to turn to a group that um, has done a better job of marketing. Well, let me just ask you this. If, if you were going to think of who's done what, what business has done the best job of marketing in the United States, give me a name. Walmart. There you go. Geico. Okay, Geico's doing, doing a great job. They got, they got the gecko and the cavemen. Man, they're rocking. Aflac, Aflac, yeah. Target, okay. Target has redefined their image. That's good. Apple. Dodge. Dodge. <laughs> Comes from the Dodge man himself. <laughs> Grab life by the horns. Ever heard of Nike? Ever heard of Microsoft? This group, the Mormons, have done a better job of marketing than any of them. Just a few years ago, they claimed that they were not a Christian religion. What do they claim now? That they have another testament of Jesus Christ. They, they very closely associate themselves with, with Christianity. Let's look at the founder. The founder is Joseph Smith. At about the age of 14, and by the way, this stuff is documented. I'm not making things up, but I would encourage you to read for yourself. 
And if you want to discuss it more, our small groups is what we're going to be talking about on the next couple of weeks is you'll have an opportunity to read some other things, some statements from leaders, some statements from uh, folks that have gotten out of these religions. And, and you'll have a chance to discuss them more. But go online, go to equip.org. Um, that's the Bible Answer Man. Uh, that's his website. And just type in any of these religions. Go to ChristianAnswers.net. Go to Probe.org. Any of these places and, and you can find all kinds of documentation. Um, Joseph Smith, at the age of 14, Joseph Smith went out into the woods behind his house and he describes this vision of two personages who show up to him. Two of them. They are God the Father and Jesus Christ. They show up to him and he's praying and he's asking, which church should I join? Because he was really confused. By the way, he was, he was involved in not only in cult practices, but in occult. Occult, occult is the study of witchcraft and, and the worshiping of Satan. So he's involved in all of these things, doing all of these spirit things. And you'll see some wild stuff in just a minute. He goes out and he sees these two spirits and he later describes them as Jesus and God. And he's praying. He's saying, which church should I join? Because there's so many to join. And they said, none of them. They're all an abomination. Don't join any of them. You should start your own church. All right. Let me tell you just a little bit about Joseph Smith. Later, he uh, he has this vision of the angel Moroni. Now, you got to understand, Moroni was supposedly um, an exalted Israelite who'd lived in the United States. I'll explain that in just a second. The, the angel says, I know where some golden plates are, and I'm going to take you to those golden plates. And on them is going to be the history. It was, it's what's now the Book of Mormon. But on the plates was the history of two groups of Israelites who migrated to the United States. One in 2200 B.C., one in 650 B.C. And the problem is there's no archaeological evidence whatsoever to support this. But this is what he says. Uh, one of the groups, one of the, the groups attacked all of these Israelites and killed them off. And Nephi was the last living Israelite. He hides the gold plates. He's resurrected as uh, Moroni. And that's why he knew where the gold plates were in the hills of New York. So he taps Joseph on the shoulder, shows him where the gold plates are. Joseph then begins to uh, translate these with the help of peep stones. Did you happen to get the peep stones? What is a peep stone, you might ask? Here is a peep stone. What do you do with the peep stone? This comes from Elder Nelson, Russell M. Nelson of the Mormon Church. Let me describe to you how you use a peep stone or how Joseph Smith did, not you. Joseph Smith would put the stone, the seer stone into a hat and put his face in the hat, drawing it closely around his face to exclude the light. And in the darkness, the spiritual light would shine. A piece of something resembling parchment would appear, and on that appeared the writing. Now, what he's doing is these, these plates, he said, were written in Reformed hieroglyphics. If you've never heard of Reformed hieroglyphics, it's because they don't exist. Scholars cannot figure out where this came from, where his idea came from other than his imagination. Now, here's what would happen. The parchment would appear, and on that, the appeared writing. One character at a time would appear, so I guess the alphabet in this reformed hieroglyphics, and under it was the interpretation in English. Brother Joseph would read off the English to Oliver Cowdery, who was his principal scribe, and when it was written down and repeated to Brother Joseph to see if it was correct, then it would disappear and another character with the interpretation would appear. All right, here's what's going on. Joseph Smith took the, the golden plates into his house, put up a curtain between him and Oliver Cowdery, 
And he would stick his face in, in the, the sack where the stone was, where these stones were. The vision would appear. He would holler out to him, I don't know, hey, whatever. And the guy would say back, hey, and he'd say, yes, that's correct. That, that one would disappear, and then he would do the next one. And so they translated this whole Book of Mormon. Okay? Problem is, nobody was ever allowed behind the curtain except Joseph Smith. No one in history besides Joseph Smith has ever seen the golden plates or the angel Moroni. Does that raise any red flags? Because it seems to me that you would just produce the plates and say, here, somebody read these. Okay. Now, the Book of Mormon is the history of a vast civilization of Americans. I told you, it's the Israelites who migrated to the United States. Here's the problem I have with that. There were six, count them, six novels circulating in the 1800s before the Book of Mormon was translated from these plates. All talking about an idea that was not true. You know what the idea was? That the Native American Indians were actually Israelites who had migrated here years before. It's really interesting to me that that this resurrected angel Moroni translated the, the golden plates into fiction novels that were already in existence before Joseph Smith began the translation. I have a problem with that, but that's just me. One other interesting little tidbit. Mormon writings have placed the Garden of Eden in Jackson County, Missouri. And Stanley is, was born in Jackson County, right? No? Where were you born? Okay, but where, how far is Jackson from you? Okay, Jackson County, Missouri. And Jesus is going to come back and reign for a thousand years at Independence, Missouri. Isn't that like University of Missouri? Okay, well, what's an independence? <laughs> okay, well, look it up. That's where Jesus is going to return in this. Oh, the Pony Express. Pony Express. There we go. Now, why do educated people believe this stuff? Because Mormons, they want you to get as much education as possible. They want you to get as rich as possible. Mormons are a $30 billion organization. They own land. They own stuff all over the place. Um, why, do, why do educated people believe this? A couple of reasons. One is they don't have a choice. In 1980, the president of the church said this. Any Latter-day Saint who denounces or opposes, whether actively or otherwise, any plan or doctrine advocated by the prophets, seers, and revelators of the church is cultivating the spirit of apostasy. Lucifer wins a great victory when he can get members of the church to speak against their leaders and do their own thinking. When you think for yourself, you're going to discover that Mormonism is not true. And so they realize that. And so we don't want you to do your own thinking. Another president said, when our leaders speak, the thinking has been done. When they pro propose a plan, it is God's plan. When they give directions, it should mark the end of the controversy. Well, let me tell you why you're not supposed to believe in this stuff. All right. Their belief system, how you get to heaven, it's a threefold process as well. The first is... That you have to believe in Christ. Now, you'll see in just a minute that this is a different Christ than what we believe in. To a Mormon, Jesus was the spirit brother of Lucifer. Uh, wow, this, there's so much. Um, God, and you'll see this say it was once a man who, through obedience to the Mormon teachings, became a God and now exists on the planet 
Um, well, actually, they don't give the planet name, but it's near a star called Kolob, K-O-L-O-B. There, this God is living forever with his goddess wives, and they are having celestial sex, and they're producing spirit babies. Um, now, when it came to the world and how they were going to save, I'm not making it up, they, how they're going to save the world, Lucifer and Jesus, two spirit babies, were hanging out. And they proposed a plan. Lucifer's plan was, we're going to force everybody to become gods. Jesus said, no, let's give them a choice. And so the, all of these spirits that were in heaven and all the other gods, they had a vote. And they liked Jesus' plan better. So Lucifer got mad, leads this rebellion in heaven, and gets defeated and kicked out. And their, their uh, punishment is that Lucifer and the third of angels that were on his side, they will never get human bodies so they can never achieve Godhead and get their own planet and become gods and have their goddesses and crank out spiritual babies. Um, that's, what, that's what the goal is. Now, Jesus and, and Elohim, their God, actually in their belief system, came to earth, had sex with the Virgin Mary to produce the physical Jesus. Do you see how this Jesus and this Jesus are not the same? Okay, don't ever believe that they go the same places. Don't ever believe that all religions lead the same way. That is not true. Okay, now, the folks who were neutral, the spirit babies who were neutral, and you're going to see through this that Joseph Smith was a racist. Here's what he said. Those who remained neutral in the battle between God and Lucifer were cursed to be born with black skin. That is the Mormon um, explanation for the African-American race. That just blows my mind. And there's several racist statements I can't even read to you. Because I am so uncomfortable with what he has said about races. We believe, Christianity believes we were all created by God equal. And God died for all of us. Again, it's, it's different. All right. So you've got to be, believe in that Christ who was a spirit brother of Lucifer. Now, you also have to have faithful obedience to Mormon doctrine. There are four books that you must follow in the, in the Mormon church. First is the King James Version of the Bible, but it's only as it has been correctly translated by Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith made 600 corrections in the King James Bible. So if you take your King James Bible and read it to a Mormon, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to pull out their King James Version, which has 600 corrections in it. Again, Joseph Smith was not a scholar. He was, he was convicted on um, using these peepstones to find treasure. He was a treasure hunter. How many treasures do you think he found? Zero. Same peepstones allowed him to translate the, the golden plates. Now, anyway, he was convicted for that, for, for swindling people out of their money to get their treasure and never getting their treasure. So he, he um, translates the Bible, corrects it, and that's one thing in the, in the Mormons that you have to believe. But it is the least important of all the, the Mormon doctrines, uh, books. Okay, another one that you have to believe is the Book of Mormon. Told you about that. Another one you have to believe is the Pearl of Great Price. Pearl's Great Price has a bunch of uh, revelations, things, 136 revelations, things like baptism for the dead. One of the, th one of the ways this is um, beneficial to you is if you can trace your, your genealogy, your family tree, and you find somebody who was a coke snorting, I guess they didn't do it back then, maybe just drug addict, whatever, back then, you can be baptized and they can move up a level in the heavens. All right? Then you also have to believe the Doctrine and the Covenants. The Doctrine and Covenants is one of my favorite things. Because in it are books such as the book of Abraham and the book of Moses. Where did these come from? Well, Smith claims that he bought two mummies from a traveling salesman. Inside one of the mummies 
was the book of Abraham autographed by Abraham himself. I don't know how you would prove that. Um, okay. Oh, wait, I, I skipped one. You also have to follow. This is actually the most important thing. You have to follow the doctrine of the living prophet. Who is the living prophet? The living prophet is the president of the Mormon church. And the living prophet supposedly has a direct line to God and whatever he says goes. The problem is there's some prophecies that did not come true. Let me read them to you. Joseph Smith, 1843 in Doctrine and Covenants. One of the things you have to believe. Section 132, he prophesied about the desirability and legitimacy of polygamy. When he died, he had about 45 wives. Um, Brigham Young, BYU University, when he died, he had 25 wives. Now, this became a problem (laughs) because he said any true Mormon will have multiple wives. The reason is all of these spiritual babies are hanging out waiting for a physical body. And the reason they have lot, they don't believe in birth control is because you got to produce a physical body for this baby to inhabit, this spirit baby to inhabit. Um, this was practiced, polygamy was practiced until 1890 when another prophet, living prophet, erased Joseph's infallible prophecy. Uh, I told you about the racist thing. Um, in 1978, Barbara Walters was interviewing Donnie and Marie Osmond. They used to have a variety show, The Osmonds. I watched it. I thought Marie was cute. Mom thought Donnie was cute. So we would sit there and watch Donnie and Marie. Well, one night, um, Barbara Walters interviews them, and here is what she says. Um, she said, how can you support a religion? Hang on, I've got to find it. How can you justify a religion that does not treat people equally? Well, they stuttered because they were caught on national TV saying that, that the races were not equal. Amazingly. June 9th, 1978, the living prophet has a revelation from God. African-Americans can be full participating members of the Mormon church now. Just like that, one minute they can't, one minute they can. All because the living prophet said so. Now, major differences. If you follow all of these things, you might get to heaven. I had some Mormons at my door one time and I said, do you know if you were to die tonight... Do you know where you'd go to uh, where you would go for sure? If you would go to heaven, they said, well, you cannot know. I said, well, let me read you what my Bible says. First, John five, 11 thir- through 13. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. So whoever has God's son has life. Whoever does not have this, his son does not have life. I write this to you who believe in the son of God. What does that say? So that you may know you have eternal life. I said, now, i got to believe you or i got to believe the Bible. I'm going to choose the Bible. They say you can't know. The Bible says you can't. Who's telling the truth? If you can't figure out anything else, go back to the founder. All right. Major differences. This is on your listening guide. They have a different God. God was once human with flesh and bones. They teach that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they've all been obedient. They have their own planets, their own goddesses. They're doing their own spirit baby thing. Um, what this means is you and I were once spirit babies. And when we were born, the spiritual baby entered our physical bodies. And if we are good Mormons, now the men will get to have their own planet. Women, your only hope is to be married to a man who's a good Mormon. And I, I'm, I'm not, that's not a joke. That's, that's true. 
Joseph Smith once said, I told the brethren that the Book of Mormon was the most correct of any book on earth and the keystone of our religion. And a man would get nearer God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. This comes from the History of the Church, volume 4, page 461. Okay, the problem with that statement is there have been 2,200 revisions to the Book of Mormon. So if it's the most correct book that there ever has been and you get nearer to God through that book than the study of anything else, which revision are you talking about? Volume 1 or volume 2,200? Uh... Joseph Smith said, there are men living on the moon who dress like Quakers and live nearly a thousand years. I'm sorry, I laughed at that one when I read it. I laughed out loud and Janie said, what are you doing? I said, you got to come read this. Mormons teach that when we die, we will face three people. God, the father, Jesus Christ and Joseph Smith. If some red flags aren't flying by now, they should be. There are secret temple rituals like secret handshakes that you are to give to God when you get to heaven that will help you get to your planet. It's just strange. And the sad truth is there are 11 million Mormons who are going to face a Christless eternity if we choose A or B and we don't speak the truth in love. Both of these religions teach that it is faith plus all of this other stuff. Faith plus this, faith plus this, and you might get to heaven. You won't know because you have to wait until you die before you stand before God, and then God tells you whether you get in or not. And Christianity, the founder of Christianity, the only one, the only founder of any major world religion whose tomb is empty because he rose from the dead never to die again. He said this. Well, first, there's Ephesians 2.9. Um, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You cannot be good enough. The God of the Bible, as revealed through Jesus Christ, never expected you to be good enough. He looked down and he saw that we could not get to heaven by ourselves, so he sent Jesus on our behalf. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. All religions do not lead to God. All roads do not lead to God because they can't. Because they teach different God, different Jesus, different Holy Spirit. And you've got to make a decision which one you're going to follow. Who's telling the truth? But what if you grew up in that? And to go against either of these religions, Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, meant that everybody in your family would turn their back on you, would shun you. And the living prophets of these churches said, do not even associate with them. That means it costs you to leave that religion. There are about 6 million Jehovah's Witnesses, 11 million Mormons, and they're growing fast. Somebody's got to speak the truth in love.